last week we spoke of the mother's message in 1958 about the collaboration promised by material nature and when she explained this message she also made it clear that do not think that the difficulties will disappear <laughs> she also uh, explains in the same context that there are different kinds of miracles which are taking place now which are so deep that it needs a profound vision even to observe them it's only natural because material nature is only one part one player in the whole grand scheme of things what it means is that there would be abundance which of course we see if you really compare even within the ashram context the resources which were before and the resources which are now we will see that there is a world of change lot more resources in many areas which is one part of collaboration of material nature we also see that cyclones the way the intensity with which they used to hit people used to fly away in pondicherry <laughs> and now they hit but it's at a much less intensity we also have seen recently almost recently with the tsunami <laughs> how this area was protected it these are all parts of collaboration of material nature but what material nature has actually done in its collaboration is something very fantastic beyond what we can even imagine and that the mother explains in one of her her talks she says it means that the earth matter has accepted the new substance which means that the forms that are going to be built now will be born with this touch that means the new children who are going to come they will carry this supramental chip inside them which is something very in interesting and mind boggling scientists are already uh, observing that their dna's are probably changing and there are a lot of theories about how the dna is changing and we'll not go into it because slightly on a technical side it's not worth speaking about it like a lay almost in a lay language but definitely the forms are changing and one evidence which mother points out she says see physical nature has begun to collaborate and the sign is that the feminine and the masculine forms are beginning to resemble each other more closely this is something which scientists are observing world over that earlier there was a pure masculine type and a feminine type but now they are slowly moving close to each other as if the difference is not much in terms of features already social cultural norms are fading but that is a different reason that's not because of the material nature but the very forms are beginning to come closer to each other and which is very very interesting many other things like population people used to worry now fertility rates have come down in many countries in fact it has gone into the negative direction in india itself there is a decline in the fertility rate so nature will collaborate and she is collaborating doing her hardest to help in the supramental creation and surely it is going to be that is her part of the work but there are other players in the field and we saw that the gods are one such player and the titans are other such player and we read last time also about the gods and after 60 even earlier the gods used to come but the conscious working started after the supramental descent after the mother got the collaboration from material nature she asked the gods are you willing to collaborate so 
most of them agreed in some way or the other like ganesha agreed to bring money uh, from those who had faith shiva said i will help but i will not incarnate i will help in the new creation by destroying the egos so <laughs> physical ego so that is something wonderful we desperately need it and i'm sure uh, a stroke or two extra would not be really extra um, and then shri krishna said okay i will collaborate but i will collaborate by tying myself to a physical body so he went and fused with shobindo's body this of course is 26 and then his collaboration shobindo went on to say that in the ashram it is his work that we are doing here so even with some of the disciples of um, early disciples we see that the gods were incarnating and some of them were strongly influencing the course of evolution so basically it means that in the old world as we read last time gods were seated in the temples and they were worshiped now that trend has to change this is what the mother means she does not mean to belittle the gods gods to be fair they had their own place and still have their place in the cosmic evolution but instead of being seated in the temples outside they have to be seated in the temple within which is their right place maybe the temple within was so dirty that they preferred to be outside <laughs> and then we made even those temples dirty so they don't know where to go so at least some human hearts would be fit enough for the gods that's what we hope because we have left no place which is not dirty right up to mount everest i'm sure there would be coca cola bottles and some potato chips uh, <laughs> you know footprints <laughs> footprints of man they use the word carbon footprint but they they should use the word man's footprints wherever man has gone so uh, what it means is that instead of the traditional way which is an old world method we pray to god something outside we ask them for material boons etc we should see them as psychological qualities and this thing had started way back shobindo speaks of this when he speaks of the vedas he says in the beginning the gods no doubt assumed very material they were powers behind material nature then later on as the rishis evolved or they grew or human consciousness grew more importantly the gods began to assume more and more psychological function then further on they assumed spiritual function and shobindo gives the example of agni agni which is kritu the doer so she assumes a very much she is a power of material nature in the beginning when we look at it so the rishis actually lighted a physical flame and they made an offering as a symbolic gesture but then this agni they discovered or revealed rather that has two aspects heat and light which means there is will and knowledge so it has became very psychological so it was the will and knowledge of man that was the agni and even today when he say where is the fire so we refer to the fire of idealism which is knowledge as well as will to do something and we even use this word that the fire has gone actually we use a very vedic language that the fire has gone then it became even more spiritual because they discovered and or revealed these are ways of saying that well the human faculties are a distortion or a shadow or a reflection of something which is still higher so human will was a reflection or a distortion of the divine will so agni assumed its full priesthood it became uh, the godhead which carried within itself the divine will so divine will which is one with knowledge so we see all these things evolving right in the time of the vedas so now 
we have to go still further and so when the mother says that you must unite your will to with the divine will you must make your will quiet free of preferences and desires make it full of equanimity so that the divine will may act she is re- revealing a very profound vedic truth she is literally uncovering the vedas and their truths so the gods in today's times are going to discover themselves within man and man is going to discover the gods within him this is the old commerce that has been going on but they need fit vessels so as shurbindo says that in our evolution man could have could not have spared either the asuras or the gods in fact gods came later the asuras are the first born that's why they make a first claim on human beings so they were the ones when the divine consciousness plunged into darkness the gods uh, the uh, the gods uh, or the first emanations they turned into their opposites and they rose up in revolt so this is the nature of the asura hallmark is revolt he revolts against the divine will he revolts against the divine working he revolts against anything that is sacred anything that is beautiful anything that is sublime anything that is true the asura must revolt that is his characteristic nature in human beings it takes the form of complaining and grumbling always everything is bad everything is dark so this is how the asura rises in revolt from darkness this is the characteristic of the asura there are many other characteristics besides whereas the gods they descend from above and they are one in and in harmony with the light so they don't revolt they obey they like to obey the divine will the asura will question and revolt why no i don't want to do it i don't believe in it i am a free being whereas the gods would say my freedom is at the service of the divine i am a servant of the divine i am a child of the divine i must obey the divine that is the god like nature and the gods came later to correct or to halt the asuras in their march they they would drown earth we read stories in the puranas into darkness and the gods have to go and try to rescue it so this is the work of the gods which carries on till date and in our evolution we reach a point as long as we are leading a life within the normal pitch not ordinary life because ordinary life is extraordinary but within the normal human scale the asuras or the gods are not interested in us we are basically nobodies sometimes they may give us a little cake and go away because we like little toys but the moment the consciousness begins to enlarge and we begin to evolve that is the time they get interested it's like a toy worth being interested in and then both try to take hold of the human agency and that's where shubindo cautions that as we evolve we have to become very very careful that while we were trying to become instrument of the divine we don't end up becoming instrument of the asura because the moment they see that somebody's consciousness is large capable strong that's when they want to take hold of the human vessel so uh, in the course of evolution we meet both of them and to start with man evolves from the asura towards the god like nature so this also shubindo makes clear that ordinarily we should not use this term that oh so and so is asura so and so is a hostile being it only shows that we are thinking of nothing else but hostile beings <laughs> whereas when we grow and evolve we see the divine everywhere on that basis we have to see and mainly within ourselves we have to discover these tendency and extricate them we should not bother who is what that is not our concern uh, a watchful eyes of the divine watches it when people went and complained to mother mother you know this man he was doing such and such a thing uh, 
So mother told him, you have told me, now you forget about it. You start doing your bit. <laughs> Another time when somebody would complain, she would say, my child, I know everything. Because it's a different state. It's a, it's a whole evolutionary journey when these things and forces come and knock at our gates. So they still have a uh, role in evolution and we have to evolve basically into supermanhood through the godlike nature because straight away transforming human beings as they are into divine beings is not possible. So we have to take this step and that's why in the Gita, uh, Sri Krishna lays so much emphasis in chapter 16 on the godlike and the asura like the deva and the asura and Sri in his essay on superman he says that we have to evolve in the way of the gods. It's, it's, it will come our way. We cannot just deny it. That straight away we will go beyond the gods. It's not possible. From human we have to evolve into a godlike nature and then we go further. So it's worth remembering that and I thought it's worth um, remembering it again and again. So what really is the godlike nature? We see this uh, in the Rig Veda, the stories of Ramayana, the Mahabharata. Very beautifully and graphically, the Puranas, the description of the godlike and the Asura-like nature. So the Deva nature, Shobindo describes, essays on the Gita. The Deva nature is distinguished by an acme of the sattvic habits and qualities. So basically the first step is to cultivate sattva instead of an excess of rajas. And what are these qualities? Each of them is worth meditating Self-control. We want to control others. <laughs> this is the commonest thing. Either we want to control um, people who work under us or we want to control our wife or husband, some subtly, some crudely, some want to control their children and ultimately we discover that we can control nobody. <laughs> the only person we can control possibly is ourselves. But by then we have lost all our life in trying to control others. And this is a cause of so much misery. So gods don't like to control others. They just like to control themselves. That's how they become Swarat. And as an extension, Samrat. This is another very interesting uh, thing Sivabhinav says. says. There are two types of Samrat. The Asuric type of Samrat, king or ruler, is somebody who rules by external authority. So there are people who are in a position of authority and they rule because they are in a position of authority. You can't help it, you know, they rule. But the devas rule by an inner authority. So they rule because of their service, because of their love, because of their generous nature. So people are ready and willing to do things for them, not because they have an external authority, but simply because of their deva-like nature. So that is what is meant by samrat, the true ruler. So self-control. Then sacrifice. So, the dev-like, the god-like nature is someone who sacrifices. The biggest sacrifice, of course, the sacrifice of our animal nature and of our ego. Not sacrifice of an animal, but an animal-like nature. Not sacrifice of others for our own interest. The deva-like nature will never place his own interest in front of others. And recently, we had these soldiers dying on the battlefield just two days back. And you know, this is something which you learn in the army. I often say, we were taught this in the military, that the interest of your country comes first, always and everywhere. So whenever you have to make a choice, that's the first interest. 
the interest of those who work with you and under you comes next always and everywhere your own personal interest comes last always and everywhere so it was like a reminder it was motto written everywhere hitting from everywhere and you see these soldiers they have just not even taken over not about those who died because of a cowardly act but those who were entered and they found grenades and everything and they fought back they didn't think of running away or their children or anything this is sacrifice the spirit of sacrifice of course here it is because of the country but we can sacrifice something for much greater highest good like when one works to sacrifice one's ego to bring down a greater consciousness on earth so that's what i was saying uh, sharing with my friend yesterday today jokingly that you know very often people ask uh, what are you doing here and where are you working questions like that so when someone asked this question to arjav arjav was um, james chadwick he was mathematician started writing beautiful poetry incidentally the first person to have died uh, from the ashram community but he died outside the ashram so people believed oh we will not die because you know we always think of god and think of fantastic things so when someone asked him he had his own like everybody his own issues anger etc somebody asked him a friend of his so what are you doing here <laughs> so normally we say we we are seeing patient we are teaching etc etc so arjab said if i tell you that we are fighting with our ego uh, would you understand it <laughs> so, <laughs> so the person was nonplussed what kind of job is this job description you know biodata fighting with the ego <laughs> so so this is what the dev like nature does he is struggling with his he is sacrificing his ego sacrificing his desires uh, so that the greater consciousness can come down on earth this is a still higher form of sacrifice and those who those who are called to it have to do this the religious habit this also a god like nature prayer meditation sir you know reading the scriptures which are beautiful shobindra has summarized all these things swadhyaya ishwara pranidhan all these into one word the religious habit worship all these are part of the godlike nature cleanness and purity at every level not just outer cleanliness yes that is also necessary but also inwardly in thoughts feelings cleanness and purity candor childlike frankness which goes with straight forwardness so again there is an asuric form of straight forwardness which is not straight forwardness but a license to criticize so i have often heard people criticize others say look i am straight forward so i must tell you bluntly that you are so and so this is not straight forwardness this is just finding an excuse to criticize and hurt others <laughs> straight forwardness is that we are straight in our dealings we don't say one thing but we have something else in mind that well uh if i flatter this person i will have this benefit if you need a benefit come and say straight forward that i need this you don't have to go round about beating around the bush so many times mother would tell children if you need it why don't you tell me this why are you going round about we don't need to do that straight forward natures are like that they will tell even the divine mother i need this not that mother you know nowadays things are so difficult but you know what i no no i will sacrifice they they are straight they are clear there is no uh, hiding things behind especially in terms of motives so straight forwardness is that whatever is our inner motive we express it outside very frankly truth 
अफकोर्स काम एंड सेल्फ डिनाइल वेन एवर दी इज ए पॉसिबिलिटी ऑफ चूजिंग बिटवीन अवर ओन हैप्पीनेस एंड समबडी एल्स दे चूज समबडी एल्स इज हैप्पीनेस मदर गिवस दिस ब्यूटिफुल एग्जाम्पल इन वन ऑफ आर स्टोरीज एक्चुअली दे आर नॉट हर स्टोरीज बट शी हैड ट्रांसलेटेड दैम और कलेक्टेड दैम दे आर पब्लिश एज टेल्स ऑफ ऑल टाइम्स बट नेवर द लेस श्योरली इट कंटेन्स हर टच एंड शी हैज सेंक्शन इट सो फेयर इनफ वेयर इन वन ऑफ द स्टोरीज सी सेज दैट हाउ दे दो देर इज ए जॉय इन गेटिंग वॉट यू वॉन्ट दी इज ए ग्रेटर जॉय इन गिविंग इट टू समबडी हु वॉन्ट्स इट एंड शी गिवस द एग्जाम्पल दैट यू वॉन्ट टू वॉच ए शो एंड यू हैव वन टिकेट एंड समबडी एल्स कम्स ऑल्सो डेस्परेटली वॉन्ट्स टू वॉच ए शो सो यू गिव इट यू वॉन्ट टू ऑक्यूपाई ए चेयर एंड समन एल्स कम्स सो यू सी ऑल राइट यू बी सीटेड दीज आर नॉट गुड मैनर्स दे आर फार डीपर इट्स नॉट जस्ट ए क्वेश्चन ऑफ मैनर्स नॉट दैट वी रश एंड ऑक्यूपाई और वी यू नो द चैरिटी बाजार we push away others to save ourselves so this is called calm and self denial compassion to all beings and here there is a difference shubhendra is not use the word kindness though kindness is included in compassion kindness is at the same level we feel kind towards a fellow creature there but compassion knows the real causes of suffering and seeks to heal them it is something which sees from above Say when Mother Teresa wants to help the lepers who are, you know, really or not lepers, the the poor and the distraught, or Baba Amte who wants to help the lepers, it is kindness. But when Buddha sees the sick persons and wants to find a cure to their misery and discovers the eightfold path, it is compassion. Compassion is divine. Kindness is human moving towards divinity. It's not yet divine, but. compassion that is you know we see uh, shurbindo mother would repeatedly remind us do not forget shurbindo's compassion and uh, one of the stories that i remember there are countless stories of shurbindo's compassion one of them i was comparing shurbindo one day not comparing is a way of saying but it came through my into my mind that look at buddha buddha wanted to discover a great truth he was moved by the misery of mankind and he turned away from his wife and child while they were sleeping this is a great act shobindo also did something very similar but how he did it and that shows compassion shobindo writes letters first he tells her you know i am going through a certain state then he says you know don't feel bad if i don't do your will because my will is no longer mine it is divine's i can't help it i am no longer my master he tries to explain to her then he even says will you come with me and walk this path if you choose for it the shakti will pour into you and after all these still he make sure that her stay and everything is arranged and then he walks away he could have walked like buddha shubindo would have done it but because of compassion and so many of his incidents with regard to the way he has dealt with sadhaks is sheer compassion he knew humanity is not ready and still he undertook the this very painful and difficult yoga out of compassion mother gives another example of her his compassion very touching example when chinmayi uh, this not i mean chinmayi uh, of hyderabad nizam family the youngest uh, daughter so she used to get these impulses to push mother and and angrily say words 
very abusive words. So once the mother give her a little slap, drive away the whole thing out of her. And she told Shurbindo. Shurbindo remained quiet and just said one sentence. And the mother quotes it as an example of how great and compassionate he is. Shurbindo said, you ought not have done that. Mother quotes it. You ought not have done that. <laughs> Imagine. One look and another example of his compassion and of course forgiving nature which we shall see. Where the thief who used to steal away money and all these youngsters who were there even before the ashram is come into existence who are spying and when they discover him, the milkman, they catch him and they think now we have found this robber. And Shobindu comes out suddenly out of his room, looks at them and they felt that we have done a crime and not he. And Shobindu simply says, let the boy go, turns back and goes inside. No police, no question, how dare he do it? How can he do this? Great sinner. Simply one word, let the boy go. Towards the stone throwing person, oh dying just for a few stones. So many examples of his compassion and forgiveness. Compassion to all beings, not just to select few. All beings, all creatures, dogs and cats and what not. Modesty. Of course we know this word, hardly we practice it. Gentleness, not harshness. Asura is harsh in nature, gentleness. Forgivingness. Story that Shurabindu recounts, the ideal of forgiveness is of sage Vasist, who whose hundred sons have been killed by Vishwamitra because of his envy and jealousy. And at that point of time, when Vishwamitra, meanwhile the scene is that Vishwamitra is uh, asking Seshnag that give me Brahmagyan. I want to become a Brahmarishi. I want that knowledge which has made Vasis so great. So Shishna says, okay, I can give you, but let me see whether you are capable or not. So he says, okay, tell me what is the test. He says, I am going to let this earth free. Just stop it, hold it. He says, oh, that simple enough. You don't know how great I am. So he lets the earth free and Vishwamitra can't stop it. So Shishna says, what's happening? Okay, you give your good deeds. So he gives all his good deeds. The earth doesn't stop. So Seshnak says, okay, try once again, give all your merits of your tapasya. So he says, okay, all the merits of my tapasya I offer. Let the earth stop. Earth doesn't stop. Now this panic, probably on earth there were tsunamis coming. (laughs) Or wars were going on. So Seshnak says, okay, wait. Uh, Vishwamitra, do you remember, have you ever met somebody who is a really realized being? The greatest among the great. He said, I don't know, maybe Vasist could be counted among them. Oh, you have met Vasist? Yes. Just offer the merit of meeting him for one moment. He had met him for one moment. He offers that. And the earth stops. So, you see, this story works on so many levels. And so, Vishwamitra says, See, it has stopped. Give me now Brahmagyan. He says, You are a fool. <laughs> that was one minute company 
made this earth stop and still you want to ask me go back to him so when he goes there is a discussion going on in the hut vasishth is telling his wife arundhati that look um, we need some salt can you go to vishwamitra's house and get it what you want me to go and get salt from that murderer yes yes don't carry such thoughts in your heart that was an old vishwamitra he has done lot of tapasya he is a great being now oh if this is so why didn't you call him brahmarishi then and saved your sons no 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 that was not the time but i know now he is a different person he has repented vishwamitra is hearing all this goes inside and falls on his feet and that's when vasis tells him brahmarishi get up that's not your place now the story has so many lessons in it one is of forgiveness second to reach the highest you have to arrive at that state when you own and possess nothing not even the powers the riddhis the siddhis and simply become utterly humble we see this in shiva owns nothing possesses nothing and therefore he has the merit of being the absolute and of course the third level which is very personalized my own interpretation that look if at company of sage vasist this is a story which shobindra has written so there is a truth in it if the company of sage vasist for one moment can give so much to vishwamitra we are so fortunate to breathe this air what it means we don't know we we can't even imagine sometimes we don't know how to value it and when we read these stories we discover the true value forgivingness patience at every level with every person in every being steadfastness whatever we take up to do it to let it reach its culminating point not to give up not like start something leave after 2 months pick up something else after 3 months again something after 4 months that's a flickering mind steadfast people take on something they go on till the th- thorough end we see these stories of harishchandra takes up a promise lives by the promise the whole ikshvaku clan lives by the promise that we may die but a promise will stay a deep sweet and serious freedom from all restlessness levity and inconstancy restless people will jump from one topic to another they will always be moving their legs hands mouth everything <laughs> restlessness freedom from that but a sweet freedom it does not mean they become hard sweet freedom from restlessness then freedom from levity and inconstancy they are steadfast and constant in their application of their will and they are free from levity there is a kind of lightness which is just frivolous not that kind they are full of humor we see shorbindo but not crude and that so called light talk they don't indulge in that the asuric qualities wrath greed cunning treachery wrath extreme forms of anger greed i must have more and more cunning to do things to deceive others treachery to cheat to play the foul these things willful doing of injury to others pride and arrogance and excessive self esteem have no place in its composition they 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 are not like that they are not pride and arrogant kya yeah, i am great don't you realize how great i am 
they are free from all that but its gentleness and self denial and self control are free too from all weakness because they are gentle because they deny themselves and have self control doesn't mean they are weak they are it has energy and soul force strong resolution the fearlessness of the soul that lives in the right and according to the truth as well as its harmlessness so they are fearless they live in the truth though they are calm self controlled and live in self denial and shobindu uses this wonderful sanskrit words tejah abhyam dhriti ahinsa satyam so these are the qualities of the devas and of course asuric nature has its own wealth of a different kind they neither have knowledge nor the way of action neither truth nor clean doing and what they see this world is as a big place for fulfillment of desires so whenever asuras create places it's only for satisfaction of desires typical want to see is um, i mean at the risk of hurting some sentiments singapore so it's it's a mega city for the fulfillment of desires so you go there you have everything that you desire <laughs> or lanka of ravana where you had gold and riches and plenty but if anybody took the name of god he was outcast you can't have places where god's name has to be taken so this is china another place meant for fulfillment of desire so that's how they see this world and therefore they work like that they act like they have only one motive fulfillment of their desire that is their law there is no other purpose for their and then shubhendu says whatever better intellectual or higher religious dogma they may possess this alone is the true creed of their mind and will in action they follow always the cult of desire and ego so this is their nature they may profess to be religious they may be very intellectual but they are just deceptive appearances their will is towards how to get more and more and this shri ramakrishna gave a very beautiful example this sometimes we value people with high intellect and great degrees and we think they are great people this is our foolishness so ramak gives shri ramakrishna gave this example of the uh, vulture gidh he says gidh flies high but its eyes are always and always on the piece of meat which is below so they are like that they may be very intelligent highly qualified harvard educated columbia university may have recognized them but they will always be following the satisfaction of their desire this is their creed few more minutes so we'll just read a little bit of this little more they hate despise and belittle the god hidden in themselves and the god in man they are given to wrath and lust of course shobindu says this starts only after a certain point of evolution most men carry both in them and an average man is more asuric by nature and it is by conversion that it changes into a deva type it is only after a certain point of evolution that we end up with this kind of either an asuric birth or a deva like birth 
and when this happens what does the divine do with the asuras of course we'll read in detail later but he says okay follow your propensities it's a very strange thing the gita says he casts them more and more into asuric births he says you want to fulfill asuric propensities go down this way see the nether world touch rock bottom and see hell and when mother was asked why does the divine do it she mother said probably this is the fastest way to make him turn back because when he touches rock bottom then he realizes where he has landed and then like the first cry of help again he cries and then shubindu says once he cries again after all this experience then the other truth of the gita applies that very soon he is lifted into the satvik nature and the divine purifies his nature and when he begins to cry again and for god and call him then he should be regarded as a saint even if he is the greatest of sinners because now he has touched rock bottom there is nothing deeper to go and now he has only one way up if halfway through divine stops him then he'll always remain in this eternal struggle so he says go down go down that is the fastest way you touch it and then you will spring back and come to me so this is the their fate then shubindu gives once again he says there are three doors of hell through which the asura gravitates downward three doors which we should preferably never even touch let alone open and if they are open they should be closed as soon as possible first is desire it's eternally open and we have to close this door through desire second is wrath anger always and the third is greed desire wrath and greed the three powers of the rajasic ego and these are the threefold doors of hell so though they advertise very well you know they advertise outside come this is paradise so people go thinking ah it is paradise desire ah wonderful my desire will be fulfilled i'll be having paradise and once they go into it they discover oh that was an advertisement by the time they are in it they are hooked in it it's a never ending cycle it's like stock market people indulge in it they are caught in it and there comes a time when they can neither take advantage of that wealth nor can they leave it it's like an addiction so like any addiction it gets on to them and then finally to evolve in the sense of the god is to grow in intuition in light in joy in love in happy mastery this from a second place the superman to evolve in the sense of the god is to grow in intuition in light in joy there are asuric religions which banish joy joy is a sin and the mother speaks of that in agenda any kind of joy is sin joy is different from pleasure pleasure or thrill joy joy is a valid approach joy is something more subtle more satvik in joy in love 
in happy mastery not a crude crushing mastery but a happy mastery to serve by rule and rule by service what a wonderful way to be able to be bold and swift and even violent the god like can be very strong when they act it may look like a violent action but behind it there is never an impulsion to do harm or injure gods never do that they can be very strong and some of these gods they are very powerful gods they have acted in battlefield kartike is a god of war so shivinda makes it so beautifully to be able to be bold and swift and even violent without hurt or wickedness and mild and kindly and even self indulgent without laxity or vice or weakness so on one side they can be very bold and swift and even violent but there is no will to hurt or injure or wickedness in it on the other hand they can be very mild natured but in that mildness it's not laxity it's not an indulgent mildness they can be very strong and firm where need be it's not that they give in to anything and everything that it's a free for all not like that where need be they can be very firm and even self indulgent without laxity or vice or weakness self indulgent to make a bright and happy whole in oneself and by sympathy with mankind and all creatures and in the end it is to evolve a large impersonal personality and to heighten sympathy into constant experience of world oneness this is the path of evolution through the gods so the gods who were in the temples have to emerge within us as psychological functions even sense functions many of the gods of the vedas are sensory functions and yet behind them there is a power of godhead mother speaks of that in four austerities when she speaks of tapasya power she says first thing we have to work upon is in sensations and she says sensations must become refined they should be able to bear all kinds of things without repugnance they should be capable of enduring anything and everything they have to be educated trained pure vedic yoga when she speaks of the tapasya power and the refinement of the senses in the rigveda we see these these are gods which are behind the sensations so the rishi invokes agni indra to make the mind the thoughts full of light invokes the maruts to make the life force invokes um, agni the ribhus artisans of immortality to quicken the functions the ashwins they are all working in the nerves so all these gods which make our senses more beautiful more refined so at every level these gods will have to and i'm sure they are emerging and um, that's the beauty of the new creation so we'll stop here <laughs>